Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guest today is John Hinners, Vice President of Industry Relations for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. John, today we are going to be talking about U.S. meat exports, and we're going to highlight exports with the idea of, uh, obviously, it, it brings value to U.S. agriculture generally, but the, the better the livestock producer is doing as far as demand for his product, that's going to help um, the farmers that are producing the grain to feed those animals. And so maybe before we talk about what you saw on the export front for U.S. beef and pork in 2020, let's just touch on that synergy a little bit between the the crop and the livestock producer well you know when you look at it um mark in agriculture uh various sectors help each other out and they complement each other um when you look at for example the corn industry corn industry has various ways it's invest it invest for the future uh one of those ways um is they invest in U.S. red meat exports. If the corn industry can see a healthy livestock industry, they know that their number one customer, the livestock industry, will continue to utilize that delicious corn uh, being fed in rations for beef, U.S. beef, and rations for U.S. pork, um, U.S. poultry, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there is value there in investing in um corn checkoff dollars into red meat exports. And interestingly, there's a way to essentially measure that value. When you think about the price of corn, the price of soybeans, but for our purposes today, we'll, we'll stay with the price of corn. And how much of that price is based on demand on the livestock side? Um, I, I know you have some numbers for us, and, and I think it's important to point these out. Well, when you look at um, what the U.S. Meat Export Federation did, we worked uh, with the corn industry and put together a, a research study um, to try to essentially pin down that number. And in the most recent number that we have um, certainly illustrates there is value in investing red, into red meat exports. In 2019, the red meat exports contributed uh, 12% to the value of a bushel of corn. You know, you might say, well, what did we average in 2019? You know, we've certainly seen some exciting times and some run-up in the corn price uh, in 2000, late 2020, 2021. But on average, uh, in 2019, corn prices were $3.75. So essentially, 12% of that value on what we export as far as beef and pork um equated to 46 cents of that $3.75. So, you know, it is a win-win situation when corn can help us promote in international markets such as Japan and Korea and Mexico and in markets all over the world. So, um, you know, they see a return on investment that's very good, 12% to be exact. John, as you think about U.S. meat exports in 2020, will that be sort of an outlier year because we were in the midst of a global pandemic, or were there some themes that are consistent year in and year out, or or maybe a combination? 
I think you, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to join in on jump on what you just said. I think it's a combination, you know, when you consider where we've been and as it relates to China, you know, China had the misfortune in this past uh, couple of years of having a, a very terrible disease, you know, devastate their pork herd. It's called African swine fever. So when you, um, it, when you're in China, you got 1.3 billion people, you've got to have uh, a sustainable food supply. So, you know, they knew that they were in trouble. Um, they reached out to the world. Uh, and certainly, you know, the United States was there to fulfill some of that need um, in China. You know, China, uh, you know, bought a tremendous amount of pork from the United States. And thus, our exports to China were up sub substantially, not only on uh, pork, but on beef, too. You know, we we had a a great growth uh, year when we looked at the uh, the China market for for beef. We were up substantially, um, 260 percent um, on beef, you know, alone. But they were a huge market. Uh, they were a huge player in the world market for protein, you know, whether it be any species, so so on and so forth. We know that there will be a day um, where China will try to become more self-sufficient. They're going to continue to want to buy our grains, um, and they're a good customer. Whether that customer buys, you know, bulk commodity grain, where that customer buys value-added corn through beef and pork, you know, it's all it's all good. So, um, you know, that was a that was an outlier this year. But let's not uh, let's not forget about some of our other key markets. Uh, for example, you know, when you look at um, uh, pork going into our number one market. Japan, you know, that was up 7% this year, you know, so those, those markets that we um, traditionally have been in, uh, we work very hard to sustain those markets and, you know, basically try to stay ahead of our competitors um, because, you know, you have some of these key markets, the world wants to get in. So we got to work very hard to maintain that shelf space in that supermarket whether it's in um, uh, downtown Hong Kong or whether it's in, uh, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota. With the changing of administrations, how does that change the work that you do at USMEF? And I know that's a, a very generalized and loaded question, but uh, take it whichever way you want to. But I, I'm sure with a, a different trade approach with President Biden, that, that influences the, the conversations that you have with foreign customers and things of that nature? Well, I think that, you know, the world realizes that the United States is a leader in production agriculture and, and agriculture in general. So I think the, the, the key, the, the, you know, if I could look at one thing that would be soothing uh, to your listeners is, you know, we've got uh, people that are involved with the um, U.S. Department of Agriculture that are career um, you know, employees. So whether you have a Republican administration or a Democratic administration, they understand the value of trade. So those messages uh, will continue to resonate in Washington, D.C. And I think, you know, we've got some very uh, aggressive and great organizations out there representing um, U.S. agriculture that are going to continue uh, to talk to our U.S. senators, U.S. congressmen, about the value of trade. So I don't think, you know, uh, from my standpoint or from the standpoint of uh, uh, red meat production or, or exports, you know, that our messages are going to go unheard. So, you know, I feel comfortable 
Um, and yet, you know, you've got to continue to, to talk to our elected officials and let them know that, hey, we rely on, on trade. So, you know, if you look at uh, the pork industry, for example, you know, right now, 30% of what we produce are, is being exported in the form of value-added uh, pork meat. Let's not undersell the, the, the idea, though, that uh, variety meats are a big portion of that. You know, certainly we don't tend to eat liver and hearts and kidneys and, and stomachs and, and uh, some of these other good proteins from a beef animal or a pork animal uh, as much as some of the other countries do. You know, so if we can package that product and send that outside the United States in the, in the form of value-added protein at a premium price, let's do it. You know, and, and that's one of the, the goals that uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation is able to accomplish. Circling back to that synergy that we discussed earlier regarding uh, grain and, and livestock, when you talk to representatives of other countries about the U.S. product, is is grain fed, corn fed, something that that comes up quite a bit? Is it, is it something that is in demand across the globe? Yeah, certainly is. It's a, it's it is a premium product. When we're able to talk about that corn fed beef that we have on the shelves, or maybe it's in a in a in a, um, a restaurant um, halfway across the world, we're going to talk about the marbling. We're going to talk about that delicious. Marbling that you're going to get, number one, from great genetics here in the United States, but number two, from that corn feeding. You know, you're not always going to get that, uh, you know, perfect marbled animal, uh, that perfect, perfect marbled meat product from some of these other countries. So we are in a driver's seat when it comes to consistency, when it comes to quality, when it comes to food safety. You know, you're going to look at those marketing attributes from the United States. They're not going to market themselves, you know. We're going to constantly be out there educating the trade, educating, you know, the importers and distributors and retailers um, and food service about, you know, um, that marbled product. You know, you never want to sell on price if you're, if you're in the lead. You want to sell on a premium product. You know, um, if you have that premium product, price will take care of itself. And, you know, those are some of the things that we try to do. We try to brand the U.S. as a premium product and ultimately garnish a, a higher price in uh, many of these markets around the world. With those global markets, there is certainly more of a focus on climate in the United States, and that has an impact on agriculture. As you visit with and learn about these other countries, are they thinking about climate issues? Are they thinking about the farmer's carbon footprint, things of that nature? Well, I can't speak for, for other countries. I will say it is a competitive environment around the world. I think when you look at um, some of the sustainable studies that we have here in agriculture in the United States, you know, um, we're definitely in the lead. Um, you know, we are uh, very resourceful and responsible um, uh, sector in the world's economy, U.S. agriculture is, and certainly, um, you know, our our producers are going to do what what's right. You know, uh, we want to be sustainable. We want to continue. Basically, we want to continue to utilize the tools that we have. You know, we're grateful for the land grant universities and the many, um, you know, universities that we have that provide us with good information on, on becoming even more sustainable. 
so we're going to utilize those um, bits of information um, and put that into production agriculture. We will continue to be the leader um, around the world when it comes to delivering high-quality protein at a sustainable level. Last thing I have for you, John, when you think about the the corn checkoff and a, and a state checkoff like in Minnesota with the corn growers, the value of that, and I know we're going to probably end up repeating some of what you've already said as far as that relationship between the crop and the livestock producer, but the checkoff dollars that support this work around the world, uh, if you could just um, extrapolate on that value a little bit. Well, you know, there's there's so much at stake here um, when you look at uh, trying to be aggressive and, and stay on top of things and, and being able to have professional organizations and, uh, you know, uh, being able to have, you know, a grassroots organization that um, can propel you to that next level and be competitive around the world. I think it's essential that we, we continue to work with these dollars, whether it's in research or production agriculture or, or, um, you know, you know, providing new products, uh, to the consumer around the world. I mean, um, you know, we've got to take care of our own products and, you know, this is just one way that we can do that, uh, through that corn checkoff. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you break down, you know, Let's just take a, a meat, a piece of a meat, uh, a ham. Everybody knows what a pork ham looks like. We see it in the grocery store. But anytime we sell a ham, you know, we're selling uh, essentially 9.1 pounds of DDGs or 2.76 bushels of corn in every ham, uh, 33 pounds of soybean meal in every ham that we market. So these are some things that we just don't think about every day, but, um, you know, essentially, you know, it's very, very important, um, you know, to the row crop industry um, that we have uses all the time, whether it's uh, uh, it's in biofuels or whether it's in meat. You know, we need everything hitting on all cylinders in order to stay profitable and to stay um, sustainable in this industry today. Anything else you want to make sure we talk about? Well, I think it's, um, it's critical that, uh, you know, we give a shout out to U.S. producers, uh, you know, whether you're producing corn or soybeans or cattle or hogs, um, you know, we know the hours that go in uh, to production agriculture. And, you know, we have the, the grassroots organizations that are working hard and, and working um, uh, to maintain and make sure that we have that technology available to producers to, so they can stay ahead of the game. We're a worldwide business today. Uh, we're not competing with our neighbors. We're, we're competing with the world. So if we in the United States can, you know, stay aggressive, um, do the right things, we're going to be in this business for a long time. And that gives us something to pass on to our next generation. Um, you know, that's why we do it. Uh, certainly it's a lifestyle, but uh, we want to be able to do the right things for the right reasons. Visit mncorn.org to learn more.